We are so grateful to the Lord for just the gift of life. Um, many of you, there have been a number of you who have been praying for me for the last year and a half. Uh, after my anaphosphalipid syndrome, I became a hyperclotter, and my adrenals were destroyed. And basically, uh, we had some things under control with medication, but two weeks ago, we found out that one of the medications was no longer working quite like it was supposed to, and my... Uh, potassium level shot out of sight. So when we reached the ER, my muscles were shutting down, and literally the Lord got us there about five minutes before my heart was the next muscle to shut down, and it was slowing down fast. But we just are so grateful to the Lord for just how he's answered in wondrous ways. Thank all of you for praying uh, for us, and I want to thank my beloved bride, Sarah, for walking through every step of this with me. One step, one thing that I wanted to share as well, for those of you who were praying for Sarah, thank you. Thank you. When you're praying for someone who's going through a struggle, pray also for the ones who um, are going through it with them because I think it's harder to be on that end than what it was to be on my end of it. And grateful for those of you who were praying for Sarah through this time as well. But we were just... um, Wondrously blessed to the Lord, and thank you for the great support as a church family that you've been on that. Uh, Very grateful for all of you on it. Grateful to be here today. (laughs) You know, um, some time ago back when Pastor Dan announced his resignation, the Lord took me to a a passage that we're going to be spending uh, three messages on here that has been the foundation of my prayer for us as a church family. We are coming up to a time here where our former pastor, our lead pastor, has left, and we now are are knowing who who God has us praying for on on the calling uh, of a lead pastor and Wayne Mundell and and Linda now. We are so grateful for you both. Um, You've been a wondrous gift to this church family, and we just are excited about now as we walk through this process uh, together. We've been praying for, for this and anticipating this time, and uh, I'm grateful to all of you who have been faithfully upholding this in prayer before the Lord for God's guiding of us as we move to our next stage of what God's called us to be as a church family. Um, I really want to encourage you to spend some time reading through 1 Thessalonians these next several weeks uh, because they really describe what we're going through as a church family. We are going through a time where our lead pastor has been called away. And God's bringing a new pastor to us, and there are some things that that we've been praying for in terms of who would God be guiding us to as a pastor who will meet our needs as a church family. But there's also another challenge, and I'd like to have you take your inserts from the bulletin and take a look with me at Ephesians chapter 4, because not only is this the job description of our next pastor, but it's also a job description for us as a church family as well. Uh, This passage, Pastor Dan has emphasized it uh, strongly during his time with us, but it's a passage that is a very important one for us to be thinking and praying through as a church family as we look forward to what God's taking us into in our our next stage of growth and development. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 11, the Apostle Paul tells us, And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, 
to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Let's stop there for just one moment. You think about that. What's God's goal for us? That we grow as a church family to the fullness of the maturity and the stature of Jesus Christ. I appreciate so much the wisdom of a guy who was one of my teachers in past days, Max Anders, who really hit the nail on the head when he shared this. There is only one perfect role model, and that's Jesus Christ. And all the rest of us are coping, growing models. And I'll attest to that. That's me right down the line, and I think we all can echo that. But I think the importance of what Paul is challenging us to under the inspiration of the leading of God is that we are to strive to ever be moving forward to this level of maturity, to not be the same as we were yesterday, but that we're growing forward on this. And as we move toward that measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ as a church and as individual believers, as a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. And that's all of us, each of us individually, the contribution we get to make and be in this church family. That, that basically what he's saying to us here, held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. This is not just an issue of what we need in the next pastor for the needs that he will be meeting in our lives. But this is the understanding, too, that we as a church family are to be growing forward, that we are to be worthy of this pastor that God is bringing to us in growing in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in growing in our involvement in our church family in growing toward maturity in Christ to where we are contributing to what God is doing in and through this church in our community and region. This is what we are to be moving toward. And Wayne and Linda, I love your hearts. I love your vision. Uh, I am so grateful for God bringing you to our church family. I, I just treasure you guys. And and uh, we are so excited uh, in the next steps ahead on that. And I hope you will be praying for them, standing with them. I want to invite you again to be here for the church forum session, family forum session. It's very important for us to be here and hear the vision that God has given to Wayne for where our church is to go to next. We're not to remain the same. We are to be going forward. And I hope you are excited and anticipating uh, what God is going to be doing in our midst. This is a tall order for any church. It really is. Uh, and how do we rise up to become that? What I'd like to take you into this Sunday, next Sunday, and then we'll have a break with another speaker coming in the following Sunday. After that, we'll be sharing again. How do we embrace this? How do we move forward into this? And the Thessalonian church is where God took me to, uh, to share with you because verse 7, uh, we're going to see in just a moment, is a challenge to us of what we're to become. 
And this Thessalonian church is a great model church for that. I'd like to have you join me in 1 Thessalonians 1. Let's read it through together, and then let's dig into it, shall we? Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians. In God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father, knowing, brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, you also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. For they themselves report uh, report about us what kind of reception we had with you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. Let's join our hearts together in prayer as as we dig into what God has for us today, shall we? Lord, every time we come together to your word, we come together to a feast. You have so much here for us to grow in, to grow in understanding in, to grow in practice of, as Jake challenged us earlier. Father, we have here what you want us to grow to become as a church. And in in some wonderful ways, we are this. In some areas, we have yet to grow into becoming this. But, Father, we just come today asking you to search our hearts through, asking you to show us the areas of growth that you want to build into us today, challenges for what we are called to be in the days ahead. Father, this church at Thessalonica is such a a brilliant beacon of what you want Monument Bible Church to continue being and to grow into in, in ever deeper ways. So, Father, we just come with eager hearts today. Challenge us today, stretch us today by your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. This church was a really incredible church. It was one that was formed in some pretty interesting circumstances. Paul, in Acts chapter 17, came to the community of Thessalonica and for several Sabbaths preached and taught in the synagogues. There began to be some people embracing Christ, and with that, there came to be the persecution that was common that followed Paul as the Jews wanted nothing to do with the gospel going to the Gentiles, and they began to raise an uproar. They approached the civil authorities and and were really hitting hard, and you'll see it as you go through this epistle, that Paul and and those with him are insurrectionists. They are challenging the Roman rule over us. And the Roman rulers of that day did not like anything having to do with prophetic challenges because they feared that, especially with the Jews, who were known to be insurrectionists anyway, and their hope of the promised Messiah, this challenge was something they wanted to put down immediately. And so Paul, Silvanus, Timothy were driven out. 
Some have thought they might have gotten to spend maybe a month with the Thessalonians. At the most, four to six months. That's a really short time for a church to get started and, and to get get off on a good footing. And Paul was concerned with the persecution that continued on, not just toward himself and his team, but also he was concerned for these Thessalonian believers. And we'll take a look when we hit chapter 3 at how they responded. But the exciting thing about this is these folks took off. They grew. And in verse 7, Paul says, uh, that, that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. There were some characteristics of this church that made them a model church that I'd like to take us through here today. And I'd like you to think as we go through the context of this message, how do we match up with these things that were true of the Thessalonian believers as Monument Bible Church? And then I'd also like, we're going to close out our message thinking about how do I fit into this? What's the areas of growth that God wants to build in me to help this church be this kind of a Thessalonian model church in our day today? Well, let's begin uh, with, with uh, verses 3 through 5. The first characteristic of that church that I'd like us to consider today is this church was an involved church. Think about what Paul says here. He was constantly bearing in mind their work of faith, their labor of love their steadfastness of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of God our Father. He really brings out several things here. These folks were involved. I'd like you to take a look at a picture here for a moment. All of you recognize Memorial Stadium in Lincoln. Sarah and I had the privilege of living in Lincoln, and we were just, how many of you know the railroad tracks that run close to Memorial Stadium there? We were just across the tracks. Our kids got their start on earning some money parking cars during home football games uh, on that and everything. And, and it was just always interesting to watch the influx of people coming in on game day uh, for, for a home football game. You actually can hear the speaker system better from our house than what you could inside the place. <laughs> It kind of got reverberating in there and everything, but we could hear it crystal clear from where we lived. But I want you to think about that for a moment, the the incredible array of some 90,000 people there to watch a football game. I'd like you to shift gears for a second. Picture that being a church for a moment. If that were a gathering of 90,000 Christians, what's wrong with that picture? There's something wrong. What's wrong with that picture? Anybody? Anybody have a thought? Ronnie, do you have a thought on that? (laughs) Hey, by the way, I really want you to encourage these guys that helped teach the doctrine class. They did an awesome job, let me tell you. I want to hear you guys teaching more uh, before it's over. What was wrong in that picture? What's wrong in that picture? They are spectators. At any given point in the game, 22 guys are out on that field, and the rest of the people in the stands are spectators. Christ's church is never to be composed of spectators. Christ's church is designed by the Lord Jesus Christ to be people who are in the game, on the field, involved, laboring in the different ministries that go on in a church. 
No one pastor or group of pastors or pastoral staff can carry out all of the different things that Christ wants his church to do within the church and out in the community. Our mission, if Wayne is called as our pastor, his mission, but our mission as a church is that we are to grow to be an involved church and involved in the labor that's needed to be done in the church. We've got some gaps There are some positions that need to be filled in the children's ministry areas, teaching Sunday school and the like. Youth, Awana, adult ministries. I don't know whether, is Jake Lee still here? Jake, are you in here right now? I want to tell you, I want to brag on something that, that, that Jake has been such a blessing on. When I was in the hospital and got transferred down to Denver, Jake, uh, Roberts brought Jake Lee in to call on me. And then when I was down in Denver, Jake Lee called me down there and it was such a blessing. He was a serving part of the church family. And there's many of you who are really involved in serving in so many different ways. But that day, not just the pastors giving me a call and talking to me, but a part of our church family stepping in and being a part of that ministry base. It's precious. It is precious. Vic and Bonnie Hoff in the first service, we were talking about uh, the blessing that they have been to us as, as a couple and as a family on that. The notes of encouragement through this last year and a half as I've gone through this uh, again. But they're getting older and bodies are, are shutting down more and more all the time. Who's going to step in to cover those bases when God says they're no longer here to take care of it? We're called to do that. We're called to be involved in it. A work of faith, a work that finds its source in an implicit trust in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And for these Thessalonian believers, they were being tested by persecution. The pressure was on. There was a lot of pressure to give up and quit and just don't talk about Christ. They didn't give in to that pressure. Even though it was tested by persecution, they were involved in that work that was sourced and based in an implicit trust in God, an implicit trust in Jesus Christ, even when it was tough to do so. Paul uses the term labor of love. You know, when you think about this term for labor in the original Greek language, it's the idea of exertion to the point of exhaustion. Exertion to the point of exhaustion. I help coach cross-country runners, and you can always tell when they finish a race and everything is gone in the race. They cross that finish line, and they can't hardly stand because everything went into the race. And with this Thessalonian church, here were a group of people that were so involved that they were laboring to that point to where they were physically exhausted. And yet, it was a labor of love. They had been inundated in the incredible love of God. And now they were reciprocating that love back to God. And they were reciprocating that love to each other and to the unsaved around them. It was a labor of love. It was, it did take everything that they had. But look at where they were at and how fulfilled they were because God was meeting their needs as they were laboring to that point of exhaustion. What a church. They have a steadfastness of hope. The object of their reason to hope was our Lord Jesus Christ. 
who is seated at the right hand of the Father, Christ in the presence of God our Father, awaiting the day when he is going to come back and establish his kingdom on this earth. The the persecution that they were suffering, the pressure that was on them, was not going to last forever. Their hope was in the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we await that coming. Let me tell you, as as I labor at Health and Human Services these days, I see a lot of horrendous things going on. Some in the lives of our people, some things that they're victimized, some are victimized on. I see and, and watch a government system that is on the edge of collapse. I'll tell you, I don't worship this govern, government as my God. It's, it can't do the job. It cannot do the job. Our hope is in Jesus Christ and his coming kingdom. And in that day, all things will be made right. All things will be provided for that we need. It will be incredible in that day. But you cannot put your hope in the systems of man. Our hope is in the future coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're to be a people whose lives are being lived in anticipation of that. He's coming to judge a rebellious world and to set up his kingdom on this earth. And that hope helped these Thessalonian believers face the pressures that they were under. That hope helps you and I to face the pressures we're under today. I love their response to God's calling. Paul says to them, knowing, brethren, beloved of God, his choice of you. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction, as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. They listened to the messengers God had sent to them. And the incredible work of grace in their lives, that their lives radically changed as they trusted in Jesus Christ as their Savior, as they responded to the convicting work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. They trusted Christ. They were converted. And they showed the evidence of the power of the Spirit of God at work in their lives. This church did not just talk the Christian talk. They were living their faith out in actuality. In the short time that Paul and Silvanus and Timothy were with them, I want you to think about this. This is so important. They moved from being newborn babes in Jesus Christ to young believers who were able to man and carry out the ministry of a vitally alive and functional local church. We look at that and say, four to six months maximum? How could they do it? They took off and they grew. And we're going to talk about the process of that in just a few moments. But are we believers who are showing the power of the ministry of the Spirit of God in our lives? How are we responding to the Word of God challenging and stretching us to grow toward maturity, to the fullness of the measure, of the stature, of the maturity of Jesus Christ? Are we moving forward? That is the goal that Christ has called us to as a church family in response to the leader that God brings to us as our lead pastor. I love the fact that these folks understood they were redeemed from the power of sin, from the slave market of sin. Our daughter and son-in-law, John and Jessica Payton, uh, two of our missionaries whom our church family supports, uh, are involved in the Navigators Ministry. And one of the key people of influence in their lives has been Jerry Bridges, 
Uh, and one of the great challenge that Jerry Bridges gives is the fact that we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day and live in light of that. I think sometimes in the busyness of our day, we forget what God has brought us out from, what he has redeemed us from. And that challenge of every day going back in and remembering what Jesus Christ has done, what he has saved me from, what he has saved me to become, is so crucial for us to review every day and to not miss the freshness of the redemption of our lives. This was a new young church, and they showed the vitality of that. Sometimes we forget that because, as Jake said during the first service, we've been around 32, 33 years as a church. It's easy to lose our first love, as the church at Ephesus did, as John, under the inspiration of Christ, wrote that letter to them, to return to your first love. Do not lose the freshness of your salvation in Christ. As Jerry would again say, preach the gospel to yourself every day. Do not lose the emphasis of that in your life. I have to wonder if years later when Paul wrote those precious verses to the Romans, in Romans 12, 1 and 2, if he was thinking of the Thessalonian believers when he wrote it, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove every day what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Is that my goal today? Is that your goal? Is that our goal as a church family that this is who and what we are. Well, this church was not just an involved church, but here's how they became became what they did. They were a mimicking church, a mimicking church. God had put godly leaders in their midst, in Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to lead them to Christ and to provide for their growth in Christ. And when you take a look at what Paul says here, you, became, you also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. When you take a look at what, these, what had happened here, God had given them gifted leaders who were proven in godly character. As we prepare to call our next pastor, character, And maturity in Jesus Christ is one of the key foundational principles of what we have to examine our next lead pastor to see that that is where he is at. But that puts a responsibility on us to study him. When you take a look at the gifted leaders that God has given us as a church family, you look at what we have had in Jake, what we have had in Dan, what we have in our elders and our deacons, many gifted teachers who are serving in many different capacities in this church. We've got a wealth of people who have shown proven character in Jesus Christ. And God says, we are responsible, like these Thessalonian believers, to study their lives and to learn how to mimic them. I love the fact that the Thessalonians were intentional about mimicking the example of these godly pastors and shepherds that God had given to them. They studied Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. They wanted to find out, just like the disciples did, how do we pray? The disciples had watched Jesus pray. 
Teach us, Lord, how to pray. And now these Thessalonian believers, as Paul and Silvanus and Timothy had come in with their maturity and growth in Christ, and they said, teach us how to live the Christian life. How do we do this? And they studied them intentionally, and they discovered what made these guys click. I want to really encourage you with the wealth of of godly leadership that we've been blessed with in the church family. They're going to be like Paul. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We've got humble, godly leaders who will be the first to tell you, my life isn't perfect, and as much as I follow Christ, imitate me in that where I don't. Please, whatever you do, don't do what I don't do right in Christ. But they were intentional. You've got people to study. Go be with them. Jake Lease, going with Jake Roberts to do hospital calls. You guys who were teaching the doctrine class, spending time with Jake Roberts and studying and preparing and then coming into the class and teaching. This is what the Christian life and maturing in the Christian life is all about. And if you don't have someone that you're spending time with, get together with them. Ask and see, can I shadow you? Can I learn from you? Can I find out what makes you click in your walk with Christ? And let me tell you, you will learn and grow so much. But you've got to be intentional about it. It takes some time. It takes some effort. It takes investment. But look at the end result of that. The writer to the Hebrews would later write, Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you. And considering, weighing, deliberating over the result of their conduct, you imitate their faith. Are you studying our godly leaders Are you imitating their faith as much as they are following Christ? Are you learning how to follow Christ in that same way? I appreciate so much that these guys were willing to imitate Paul and company, not just in the good times, but in the tough times. Persecution was going on at Thessalonica. And you know something? It's building in our day today, too. We have had many years where there was little to no persecution in our culture supporting us. Sarah and I got to grow up during those times. But the culture has changed. The culture has turned tail and is running away from God as fast as it can right now. And you and I cannot depend on this culture to back us up in our Christian convictions. In fact, if anything, the pressure is going to increase to where we persecution's coming. Sarah and I, God has impressed on us that we have a great responsibility. And I'm going to speak to those of you who are 45 and over for just a moment, okay? In particular, there has been incredible investment made in our lives by the pastors and the teachers who have taught us and taught us faithfully over the years. It's not just a matter of a new pastor coming in and meeting our needs. We are called to invest in a younger generation that are facing challenges you and I didn't have to face. And how do we get a younger generation of young parents and children coming up in this church who have the equipping that they need to face the new challenges that are coming? They've got it a lot harder than what we've had it. I'm telling you, it's awful out there right now and going to get worse. But are we dedicating ourselves as those in whom so much has been invested to invest in these young families, to invest in these college students, to invest in our young people and our children? 
45 and older, we got to get off the bench, off the pew, and get in the game and make sure that when quote-unquote retirement time comes, we're not retiring from what God's called us to be as those who are Christ's servants. Uh, please rise up and take every scrap of what God has invested in you and let's get this younger generation ready to go because they're going to have to carry an awesome load. You guys, my prayers are with you. Our prayers are with you. And now we need to be the ones who are stepping up and doing some of the greatest of sacrifices to be sure that you're ready to carry that gospel on to the next generation. And now that I'm a grandparent, that gets a whole lot more important, let me tell you. They were an involved church. They were a mimicking church. And the Thessalonian church was a proclaiming church. They were a proclaiming church. I love the way that Paul brings this out in verses 7 through 8. We read verse 7 a moment ago. You became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of God has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place your faith toward God has gone forth. I calculated up by square mile approximately how big an area Macedonia and Achaia was. And if, it, if you're familiar with the size of the state of Iowa, that's about the size of, of the testimony that they'd grown into in a very short time. People all around knew about this church. Their lives were so radically changed and different, and they were having such a powerful impact. The people throughout Macedonia and Achaia, both in the church community among believers and the unsaved, knew something about this church. Does the state of Nebraska know about Monument Bible Church? Is our testimony strong that we are proclaiming Christ and we are living Christ out so authentically that our state knows about us because our testimony is that strong? That's what these guys were like. That's challenging, isn't it? It really is. When you think about it, these believers were not undercover Christians who hid their faith. Even though the persecution and the pressure was there, they proclaimed their faith in Christ unashamedly. They did not believe in the privatizing of one's faith, as is so popular in our culture today. We're being told you cannot declare your faith in the public arena. And can I put it in the words of my brother-in-law? Hogwash. Hogwash. The gospel of Jesus Christ is to be proclaimed in the public arena. And God has given you and I the great commission to go out and do that. Whatever our sphere of influence, how is that sphere of influence serving as a place from which you and I can proclaim the hope that we have in Christ, that our world and our culture desperately needs to hear. I love the fact that their faith resounded to their region like a bugle call to challenge. The word of God resounded, reverberated. I thought, thinking, I, when I read that, I thought of the times that I've been in some services where the music just kind of reverberated within your very being. Have you ever felt that in some services where literally the vibration was penetrating you to the core of your being. That's how their faith was reverberating out and penetrating into the lives of people. That's awesome. That is awesome. They reached their home turf. They reached beyond to their country. They went beyond their own nation. They were honoring Christ's great commission. And the thing that I love about this church, the whole church had ownership of this, of proclaiming Christ, of proclaiming the word of God. They lived their faith in the community. They lived their faith in the marketplace. They were mission-minded in having a heart for their region and the world. Do we share that same heart? Finally, 
and this is the foundation of their of their ministry. They were a tr- church that was a transformed church. They bore a testimony in that first century world that, that it desperately needed to hear. And my brethren, our world today needs to hear it every bit as much as what they did back then. Their testimony, I love it here, verses 9 and 10. For they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to await and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath that is to come. Those are some powerful words. Their testimony at the challenge of the pastors God had sent to them, they had turned away from idols to serve the living and true God. Everything that stood against God they turned completely away from. Anything that depended that could be depended on in place of God, they said, it's out of my life. It's gone. That's hard in the culture in which we live. We live in an incredibly affluent culture. Pray for Pastor Moses and what he has seen here. Pray for us that in the midst of our affluence that we not worship this in place of our God. We have a lot of idols around us as well today. Is there a testimony that we renounce the false and confess our relationship with the true and living God? Do we show in the same manner that we have been converted? There's a 180-degree turn going on where once we pursued what the world pursued, but now we pursue Jesus Christ and his kingdom purposes and his righteousness. Can people see that of us? They were living as new creations in Christ. May we do the same. Their hope, they lived in anticipation of the coming of a resurrected Lord and Savior who rescues from the wrath of God that will one day come upon this human race that has rejected its God and its Lord. You know, the time when all things are made right is not now. But we live in the hope of the day when Jesus Christ comes And he will rule and reign in perfect righteousness. I await that day. Every day in my work at Health and Human Services, I see and hear stories that make me shudder. But I also know there's a Lord who can deliver, who is mighty to save. And we serve that Lord, and he is one day coming. Let us live in light of that anticipation. John says, purifying ourselves even as he is pure when we live in light of that anticipation, bearing a testimony that these believers did. It was an awesome testimony. That's why this, this church was such an example. Well, as we close today, I'd like you to think about something that's very important How does this relate to Monument Bible Church today? Are we a church like the Thessalonian church? And there are some ways, yes, we are. Are there some ways that we're not? What do we need to do to see that changed and that corrected? And it's going to involve all of us in the process of that. I'd like us to think about the the scale. And if we can just put that scale up, going back to to our thoughts of not being a spectator sport, church is not a spectator sport, 
if on the scale of zero, I'm not in the game or we're not in the game as a church, improvement needed, are we involved game changers? That would be five on the scale. I'd like you to take a look at the bottom of your insert and think through with me for just a moment. And I'd like you to think and pray about this day and put some numbers down in terms of where we're at as a church family and where I'm at as an individual. Am I not in the game? Is there improvement needed? Am I a game changer for the sake of Jesus Christ? Are we that as a church? Is Monument Bible an involved church? Are we an involved church where our church family is operating in the area of each of our giftedness and being a serving part in our church family and in the gospel outreach into our community? Where am I at individually in that? Secondly, does Monument Bible Church intentionally mimic the godly leadership that God has put in our midst? And I look at the leaders that we've been given, Jake, Wayne, our elders, our deacons. There's some godly teachers and and leaders and servants in this church. Are we studying them? Are we growing in relationship with them? Are we mimicking them and imitating their walk of faith in Jesus Christ? How are we doing as individuals on that? And we'll talk, I'm going to talk to you in, in, in our coming couple of messages of how important that is every stage of our Christian life. Thirdly, is Monument Bible Church known throughout our state as a church proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ? And there's that tough question again. Am I in there as a game changer? in my being a personal witness for Jesus Christ. And then finally, do the lives of the people of our church show, show such a radical transformation because of our relationship with Christ that it makes an undeniable declaration of the grace of God and the transforming power of Jesus Christ? And again, is Christ unmistakably seen in my life to the people around me? Those are some tough questions but important questions that I hope you'll sit down and pray through and answer today. Now, I want to put out a closing thought on it, okay, as we, as we wind down today. You know, I think for all of us, we're, we're going to see some areas where improvement is needed. This has been a good challenge for me personally. On just some areas that, Lord, there's some things that just need some sharpening up in my life. There's some things I'm progressing along well, but some other things that needs some refinement and needs some fine-tuning in my life. You know something? That's great. In rescue mission ministry, it was amazing, the thing that was so important to learn, celebrate the progress. Some of you are going to look at this list and say, I'm out of the game altogether. And the point that I want to make, and let's bring up our picture Memorial Stadium again, it's time to come out of the stands and get on the playing field. Okay? Come out of the stands and say, God, you've called me to be a game changer. Now, the thing that's really important in in our rescue mission setting, when we had folks come to Christ, some of those steps of becoming a game changer were 100 feet high in the air in terms of the jump it was going to take. Impossible to reach in one jump. But how do you grow to reach up to 100 feet in the air? You climb a ladder one rung at a time. And I want to encourage you, there's equipping available through our, our um, small groups on this, our, home, our Bible fellowship times, our Sunday school classes, our small groups. There's a multitude of things available. 
Tap into the fellowships with eight to get to know other people, different things along that line. But the big key that I want to ask you right now, are you intentional about growing? And are you further along than where you were a year ago at this time? Where will we be a year from now for all of us as believers? I don't care where we are at in Christ. Are we moving forward and ahead and growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and living it in our lives? Every day of life, this side of glory is refinement and fine-tuning. And I love Paul challenging Timothy, and Jake was in there in 1 Timothy 4. Timothy, uh, let no one despise your youth. Let your progress be evident to all. And may God be, be watching, and we be watching and celebrating the progress that God's building into our lives as we move forward in the Lord. Now, last thought. We've got to be willing. Football players getting into that game have to do some really intensive training. I get to coach cross-country runners, and let me tell you the work that those kids put in. Be willing to train. Paul, in Romans chapter 9, I really encourage you to go there. Spend a little bit of time in verses 16 through 27. Paul talks about the process of the discipline of himself for the sake of the gospel of Christ and the things that we've been talking about with this Thessalonian church. Paul went into training. Paul stayed in training to be able to ever go forward in his walk with Christ. And may we be willing to do the same thing. This is not something that's going to happen on natural giftedness. It's not going to happen by just coasting. It will take intentionality. And are we moving forward in that? I leave that with you with the thought, don't beat up on yourself in the process of this. Just make the commitment. God, you've called me to go forward. And like I shared earlier, and we got to celebrate with our rescue mission folks every day as we watched them grow out of some enormous struggles. Celebrate the progress. And don't be afraid to step into new areas that God would call you into. Some of you may say, you know, God's challenging me on an area, but I've never done that before. I'm in my third of three things I told the Lord I, I can't ever do. The first, I listened to all those unshackled. How many of you used to listen to Unshackled? Pacific Garden Mission. I used to tell the Lord I could never serve in a rescue mission. My first mission, fresh out of seminary, People City Mission in Lincoln. God took up the challenge. Second area was pastoring. And then my third of three right now. I remember the day when I told my assistant in the family shelter at the mission, Carrie Brower, I could never do health and human services work. And guess what I'm doing right now? Paul said, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Let God step in. Take the thing that you fear doing that you say, I can never do. And no, we can't in our own strength. But in his strength, we can. I can't wait to see where we're going. But let's make the commitment because our new pastor is not here to meet our needs right where we're at right now. Our new pastor is here to challenge us and to stretch us to strive to greater things for God's purposes, for his kingdom, honor, and glory. Let's rise up and do it, shall we? Father, thank you for this challenge of this Thessalonian church. And Father, we are a church that is not a new church or a young church. 
we're getting up there in years a little bit now, and all the more we have to take a look at at what John, under the inspiration of the Spirit, what Christ's message was to the Thessalon- to the uh, church at Ephesus. They left their first love. Lord, don't ever let us leave you, Lord Jesus, as our first love. If we're a little stale in that, Father, let us rise up and get fresh again. But Father, it's our prayer that this church family will be awesomely used of your, you for your kingdom purposes and glory. And we do not ask this for our honor and glory. It's our desire, Lord Jesus, that you be lifted up and magnified in our communities, our area, our state, our nation, and our world. May Monument Bible Church be just like that church at Thessalonica. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to invite the ushers to come up at this time.